I think as we continue to grow, the people that will step into leadership roles and management roles, kind of managing their teams will, you know, kind of have this people first approach. And then as they grow, it just kind of becomes chaotic. But here, you know, we have very defined teams. Everybody knows who to go to in, in case of emergency on their team. So you all talk to every person in the team, in the company. So that's really, I feel like unique about our managers. I mean, the CEO in the first place, because he, he really knows how to still make people feel that, you know, it, you're not just working for somebody you don't care about. Welcome to this episode of the Debutify podcast. Today, I spoke with Melissa Williams, head of content at Cinder, and Polly Sidorok, head of customer support. We had an extensive conversation about Cinder itself. We also talked about free market capitalism, how to position your company against the big players in your field, which is another lesson that I'm sure lots of business owners are looking for. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and you have a wonderful rest of your day. Hello, Melissa. How's it going? Hi, how are you? Good, good. How are you doing? How's your day? Good so far. How about you? Yeah, good, good. Thanks. Where are you located? Yeah, well, that's also shifting. Uh, I've just come from New Zealand to Massachusetts, but I'm leaving Massachusetts in a week. Yeah, I'm in uh, Southern California and Polly is in Denmark. So quite a wide range. Yeah, our our company is located. We have offices all over the place that we've got quite an international group, which is nice. That's pretty nice. Um, I I was reading your blog. I saw that you guys, like Michael, the CEO, had helped people get out of Ukraine when the war started. Yeah, we did have uh, quite a few of our team members were in Ukraine. And then, um, yeah, we did move. A lot of them moved to Poland. Some moved to other areas, Lithuania. So yeah, it's an admirable thing. Yeah, no, the company here, they're great. The people first approach extends like to the team, to our customers. It's very much a you know, he cares very much about the people here and making sure everybody is okay, not just work-wise, but like personal-wise too, which is really great. That is lovely. That's really good. Hi, Hello. Polly. Hey, Polly. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. What time is it? You're in Denmark? 9 p.m. But nice. it's fine. I mean, I work according to US time zone, so it's totally fine to me. Where are you in Denmark? Odense. That's uh, kind of third largest town. Well, oh, right, I can right, call yeah. it city, you know, it's kind of third largest town in this country. Well, yeah, Melissa, as you were just telling me before we started recording, um, your CEO, Michael, helped uh, your staff to get out of Ukraine when the war with Russia started. That's something that's quite inspiring to me, and I haven't seen it uh, in many places. And it is obviously quite telling about how your company operates. So would you care to speak to that? Yeah, as um, you saw in our, our blog article, we did have some team members in that region. And so, you know, Cinder is definitely a people first company. We, you know, regardless of whether that means employees, customers, we really care about the people here. And so, yes, our leadership team helped to, you know, move people that needed to be moved, um, set them up with resources and new locations. Polly, you might have something to add to that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the head of the office once the whole process started and started, I mean, people started migrate. I mean, surely was, you know, the whole process was, you know, everyone were a bit nervous because, well, people had to leave their homes, not because they wanted to travel, right? Just because... They, they have, they had to, but well, eventually everything went really, uh, like, I mean, comparatively smooth. We know other companies in like Belarus that were formerly had their offices there because I mean, Belarus was quite a kind of tech hub. I mean, a lot of Silicon Valley companies were also like 
had uh, like outsourced uh, outsource developers team in, in Belarus. So it's kind of a common story. So many CEOs did this. And I mean, we're proud that we are one of the companies that do this as well for, for our employees, even though surely, I mean, we had to like work, you know, over eight hours a day, surely to kind of make sure everything goes smoothly. Um, in different time zones, there were a lot of like talks to coordinate all the actions across different regions. Well, because the management is in US, like people are here. So that was a lot of just uh, that was a process. But I mean, everything went really well. So we relocated everyone. So that was really, really good. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I kind of have two questions. How do you think you're going to be able to sustain that generosity and attention to people themselves? as the company grows, because I feel like it's the kind of thing that could be difficult to manage when you go, when you get bigger. Based on, I mean, we're, you know, we are, of course, growing. Um, I think as we continue to grow, the people that will step into leadership roles and management roles, kind of managing their teams will, you know, kind of have this people first approach. And then just since this is how everything has started, I feel like that's kind of the model to which we would follow. So I've seen at other companies where, you know, as they grow, it just kind of becomes chaotic. But here, you know, we have very defined teams. Everybody knows who to go to in, in case of emergency on their team. And so that's kind of, to me, I think working within, you know, smaller teams within a larger organization, it still has that kind of startup, small team feel, even though the organization continues to grow. Yeah. And this is something that we want to keep this startup kind of feeling because pretty much over the last like several years, we've grown like maybe three or four times. I mean, people-wise, we already have quite a quite an experience in kind of how to grow the team without kind of losing this, you know, vibe. I remember the times when, you know, just the the office was really like small and like people were gathering just in one room to kind of the whole company gathered in one room. So that was kind of really kind of nice. And, and then like CEO knew everyone and kind of, you know, that, that was like really interesting times. But I mean, as time is going, the company's growing, but CEO still knows everyone. And still there's a time, you know, CEO talks to every person in the team, uh, in the company. So that's, that's really something that I feel like unique about uh, our like managers. I mean, the CEO first in, for, in the first place. So I think he's in some way unique because he, he really knows how to, how to still make people feel that, you know, it, you're not just working for somebody you don't care about. That, that's really one of his talents. Yeah, that, that's kind of a perfect answer. And, and, you know, you see a lot of these kind of charismatic leaders take companies to great places. But I'm kind of asking the same question. Like, do you think that that's a sustainable way of running a business, relying on somebody to, you know, bring that warmth and that curiosity to your staff? What do you guys think about running remote companies and do you think that, you know, there's a, there's a trade off there? Cause I really think that this kind of like everybody in one room is such a lovely thing. And most people would prefer to work uh, in a place where they know all of the staff compared to, um, you know, working me in a basement. Surely once the, you know, the team started, you know, spreading as we were growing, now we kind of pretty much we have in place really all over the world because like our support department is really widespread because we serve like 24 seven. So there are a lot of different time zones to, to manage and support team is like unique in this regard because these guys really know how to run meetings in like, you know, 11 PM or 11 AM. And mm. it's like can change either you know way. And we had people starting to work like till 3 um, a.m. So that, that was really like a lot of a lot of dedication, you know, from the employees, but it goes both ways, a lot of dedication from the management and a lot of dedication from the employees. So that's kind of a really, really interesting kind of a mixture of, of this, you know, kind of 
corporate feelings, I would say it's not even like it's deeper than culture. I'd say it's like really something like corporate feelings. Even once we got remote and I mean, I moved to Denmark um, I like several months ago, but like, yeah, a lot of friends and uh, colleagues uh, left behind, but still um, a very, very good thing. And I think that's, that's one of the solutions to this because I think it's still possible to, maybe that sounds idealistic, I know, but I think that's, that's possible to still kind of maintain this, this feeling. It's the matter of, you know, finding a way to do this and prioritizing this, you know, somewhere in the list. I'm not saying it's like number one priority, but it should be somewhere, you know, close to the kind of top of the list. And like one of the things that our company does is we run like corporate parties and we kind of gather people from, it may be two days, it may be like a week, uh, but like recently we've kind of gathered um, in like uh, the sea costs, like those in, in Turkey, because a lot of people were from, from Europe and uh, we kind of traveled. So, so like company pays for the, for the expenses to kind of gather all the employees in one place. And that's mm. kind of what keeps it, you know, going because everyone knows everyone uh, even though, like, I, I do not work with, you know, every person, you know, on a daily basis, but still, thanks to this corporate parties, we know everyone and this really keeps this warm. So that's one of the ways. That is a beautiful way of doing it. A lot of the listeners to this podcast are like running online stores or probably want to run online stores. And I think it's kind of a challenge that you see is, you know, the gurus or the tutorials uh, in organic marketing teach you to hire virtual assistants, you know, like it's the new way. But I really think that there's like a, there's something that's lacking about um, that because business and work and, you know, capitalism can actually be really fun and beautiful if you, if you get on with people that you work with and you're lucky enough to work with them. Uh, so I think it is quite important. Which one of you guys wants to explain what your company does? So yeah, I, uh, so for Cinder, we are um, automation software for accounting. We primarily work with e-commerce brands. Uh, we have various products in Cinder. So we have Cinder Sync, which is the product that takes all of your sales from, say, Amazon, Shopify, um, you know, your payment platforms, Stripe, Afterpay, and takes all of those transactions, including fees, and puts it all into it could be either your QuickBooks account online or desktop or um, your Zero account. Or we also have Cinder Books, which is our own kind of standalone uh, accounting platform. So it just helps to get rid of all that manual data entry, the potential for, you know, transposing a number or, you know, waiting until tax season to enter transactions, which we do see happen quite a bit. Um, just makes it really quick and easy once you set everything up. I mean, it takes about 15 minutes to like click through and set up everything. And then it'll just run automatically in the background. You you can go in and see your numbers as they're happening. It's like within the hour, it's pulling transactions. So you always know where you stand financially. And then we have our Cinder Insights, which um, is our new product we're super excited about. So this is taking all of that data that's pulling from all the platforms and creating actionable reports you can use for KPIs, um, metrics to really teach you your numbers. And so you have one source of truth to really understand what's going on in your business. So it'll pull together reports like, you know, new versus returning customers. You can see which products are selling together, you know, so you could consider product bundles, really just getting in depth. So our, our theory is, you know, numbers are very important and can be really exciting when you know what your numbers are and what to do with them to, to grow your business. So like circling back, you know, having multiple products and the way we kind of launch them one after another really gets us back to this, you know, feeling of startup because, you know, every new product is technically, you know, a startup, which you try to kind of uh, develop. So that's, that also helps to kind of uh, maintain this 
corporate, you know, uh, culture of doing everything quickly and doing a lot of stuff, sometimes simultaneously. So, um, yeah, and as Melissa mentioned, so we're like in in financial technology sphere. So we were here for like five plus years already, even more, but like doing our own products, it's like about five years. And um, yeah, so it's all about, I mean, automation of, of data entry. And uh, now with our recent center insights also about understanding your business better because, well, gathering all the numbers and understanding what this or that, you know, figure means, you know, that's challenging depending on your business background. So if you want to start, if you're starting, if you've, you know, already running your business for a year. So all of this kind of people on different stages have really different understanding of what they should or shouldn't be tracking, what KPIs, I mean, what their goals should be. So we want to help with that as well on top of just, you know, automating and saving your time. So, so to say, we'll save you time on data entry so that you're able to kind of look at your numbers and make better decisions. I understand that Cinder's like accounting for e-commerce specifically. I kind of want to know the history of the company and how it positioned itself to be different from these big players in the world and how you kind of look forward to to growing in the future. Yeah, we kind of look at ourselves and, and seeing ourselves playing in the team with these big players because we originally started with like QuickBooks Marketplace. We were just were one of the apps there that told oh, yeah. you, you know, integrate your Stripe to QuickBooks or PayPal to QuickBooks. So that was kind of the very beginning of the story. Like prior to that, we had another product, uh, even like a, doing even a simpler task, like importing your Excel to QuickBooks. So it was the very, you know, beginning prior to that, our CEO did just development, uh, outsourced, outsourcing development. So he was like doing projects for uh, different businesses. And then kind of one of the businesses, you know, ordered a project connected to QuickBooks and our CEO learned about QuickBooks and learned the pain points around it. And uh, kind of this is how we all started. And we started having apps that work complementary with QuickBooks and helping achieve this or that task quicker uh, in a more efficient way. And then kind of gradually talking to people, you know, gathering uh, them around our apps, uh, asking their feedback, adding zero to this stack and working with like QuickBooks desktop. So working with more and more accounting platforms, helping people who work with these platforms, either accountants or business owners, kind of fulfill their task. We started, you know, learning different set of needs, I'd say. So surely people really want to kind of save their time on like entering data they have in their Excel to their books and they don't want you know spend the whole day just entering transactions manually. So that's where you can use one of our apps, for example. But moving forward, we understood that QuickBooks or Zero, they do um, they're really like great pieces of software and they really solve a lot of problems, you know, for, for many different industries. But to have a software that solves industry specific problems, for example, as we do, we solve e-com specific problems. So you won't be able to kind of, you know, log into QuickBooks and kind of see, you know, what it can offer you in terms of e-com. They'll tell you, you know, we can do everything. Just, you know, tell us what you want. So Cinder in this regard focuses in, you know, more at things, you know, more specific industry specific things. Uh, and this is kind of where, where we're going, you know, become like becoming standalone is, you know, to just solve the problems of the customers that, that use us, that talk to us. And as Melissa mentioned, yeah, we have a lot of e-com businesses as, you know, once we were growing, we were adding more and more different um, sales channels like Shopify and Amazon and Walmart and eBay, Etsy, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, we just started to hear pain points of these people and started to kind of fulfill. And uh, yeah, like the need to know numbers if you run business with, you know, five different sales channels. So you sell on uh, eBay and Amazon and, for example, you have Shopify. And uh, you have multiple payment processors linked to, 
you know, several of these e-com uh, sales channels. And you kind of want to have everything in one place. And that's where Syner comes into play and it will kind of import your data to QuickBooks or to any other accounting software supported automatically. And it will also give you like a dashboard, combined dashboard, you know, with numbers from all, you know, several of your payment gateways so that you don't have to log into, you know, each one and see, okay, so here are my sales for Amazon, here are my sales for Shopify, what do I have combined, how my Shopify payment processors I do are doing, maybe I'm, you know, paying high commission was the processor that really, you know, brings me very, very little revenue. So all of these things, I mean, Cinder will be able to help you answer all of these questions. I kind of see in the future these solutions like coming uh, maybe from a top-down place, like Shopify Plus is like very focused on like an omni-channel approach. Do you guys like think about what if, you know, hypothetically like WooCommerce and Shopify and Amazon kind of just had a, a coffee one day and they're like, we should actually probably just have a, sh- a sales channel dashboard that's linked. You know, I don't know if you thought of that or if that's actually possible. Um, what do you think of that? I hope one day, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope they don't, for your sake. Countries will, you know, sit and have a cup of tea and say, oh, you know, we don't, don't need borders. Let's just, you know, let yeah, yeah, people just make it run, all. really. So <laughs> we all hope for things like that. And I mean, uh, this cup of coffee from the owners of these companies surely would have been uh, like a good add-on for, for their users. Um, but well, this is like a whole new startup. It's like you're selling pizza and, and, you know, and the other guy selling pizza and the third guy kind of comes in the room and, and tells you kind of, you know, I know you were selling pizza, but let's do something kind of a entirely different. So let's start selling, you know, salads because that's a good, you know, thing to go with, you know, pizza and salad, for example. And you're like, ah, you know, like I'm really into selling pizzas. So I don't know. I mean, that would be definitely a good thing, I guess, for, 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 for the people, for businesses who are kind of struggling to kind of get this dashboard. But I don't know if that's realistic in terms of, you know, I'm selling pizzas. I really know everything about pizzas. I'm inventing new kind of, um, you know, flavors and new everything. And then kind of why would I go and really start from scratch with salads if I know that I have, you know, a way, you know, more to do with, with pizzas. Yeah. And I feel like it kind of, um, in some ways is similar to like that, you know, tech question of build versus buy, you know, like, yes, you can build it yourself, but the time it's going to take to do so the engineer hours, you know, number of, you know, trial and errors you're going to have to do. Whereas if there's a tool already on the market, you know, why not just partner with this tool and, and make that work. And then of course, you know, there's always the, you know, would Amazon and, or like even maybe more applicable, like would WooCommerce and Shopify partner really on that? I mean, they're competitors. So it's like, would they want to be connecting their dashboard? So, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, obviously we don't know what the future holds, but I feel pretty secure that, you know, we've got um, such a great solution that it's just going to be easier to work with us than to try to build it from scratch. Okay. So Let's circle back to the beginning of this conversation. I, I know that Cinder's like big on human centered, not, not just interpersonal inside your company, but also like human centered content. So can you guys tell me a bit about that? Yeah. So like as far as um, the human centered content, so it's definitely like everything we do kind of has this like human approach. So we always, you know, we have machine accuracy, human approach is kind of how we, we word it. So um, when it comes to content, um, our team is really focused on educational content, helping people not just use Cinder in their day-to-day lives, but also understand really um, the things that can take their business to the next level. So we've got content 
coming out really soon on like unit economics. We have an expert that we um, have interviewed and we've got, you know, details on what does it mean for an e-commerce business to, to understand this concept and like, what do you do with it? How can you grow your business? What reports do you need to be looking at and why? Um, even like within uh, the app itself, if you go to like Cinder Insights and you open up any report, there's um, an article there. There's like a little on the side, there's like a little quick overview of like, what are you looking at? Why does it matter? What can you do with it? And then there's a link to click to get to an even more in-depth article on that. So we're very big on educating people, helping to empower them to grow their businesses and, you know, understand the why behind the numbers. It's like, you know, sometimes one of the things that we talk to e-commerce business owners a lot about are things like COGS. And it was interesting to us to hear from some of um, some of the people we've talked to, like a lot of people just don't know these numbers. And that just mm. leaves you in kind of a vulnerable place. I mean, I know just as a former e-commerce business owner myself, if someone had asked me at the height of my business, what are your COGS? I would have just stared blankly and not known. And that ended up being part of the reason why I no longer am an e-commerce business owner. So um, I think just really helping people, you know, this is their passion, something they really love. And we give them the tools, you know, to, to understand and, and um, grow it so that they, you know, can continue. Yeah, I think that's like a, a trend that I see a lot um, when I interview software companies is like the old school way was features, benefits, I'm going to sell you this thing. But now it's like, uh, what's going on? Like, let's have a conversation about it. And yeah, I think that's really good that you guys are following that. But blockchain, what do you guys think about smart contracts? And are you worried about maybe a less human, more automated approach? I know that you you, you just said that you like to have up to speed computers doing the, the back end and then you try and humanize it. I think the, the level, I mean, the extent, you know, to which you can automate some communications with uh, your customers, you know, for any business really depends uh, heavily on... Um, you know, like the specifics of your business. So if you're, well, again, I like pizza. So if you order a pizza, you know, uh, you for sure know that, you know, a customer, you know, that comes to, to your website wants to order a pizza. So you really want, they start chatting, you know, with the, for example, like a bot on your website, you know, the bot cannot, can ask, you know, what's the address, you know, what kind of pizza do you want? So, you know, the, you pretty know, what the conversation will be about. So it's pretty easy to automate, especially using all of those, you know, like big data things that really help to even build this conversation, not really like robotic, but in a, some kind of a human way. So it's really nice to have. And, you know, why, why not? So maybe, you know, give your customers the option to, instead of chatting with someone, I mean, not everyone likes, you know, having conversations even in the chat or over the phone, yeah. you know, people who really want, I really want to come and place my order and just, you know, just grab it next to my door. That's it. I don't want any, you know, conversations. So for some, you know, for some people, for some businesses, it's like a really, really good way to kind of give both options. So, you know, that's the, the, the automated bot. You can just come in and, you know, give us all the details and the bot will do the rest. And the other option is just, you know, want to talk to us here. We are, you know, like in one click. So, and then you connect to, to live person, but you know, when, when we are talking about accounting, that's a whole new, you know, other story because accounting is, is not simple. There are a lot of companies who really want to simplify it, make it easier, make it a breeze, but that's a lot, you know, a lot of things to be, you know, considered a lot of things to be learned so that, you know, business can run their, their accounting correctly. And the Cinder is one of accounting apps is, is really, it's really hard to automate some things. I mean, in terms of communication with our customers, 
just because every business has, you know, its own way of running their books. You may think, you know, that's ridiculous. You know, that's accounting, you know, it should have its, you know, laws and everything. But the truth is that if you talk to 10 accountants, you may receive, you know, five different answers on how, you know, what's the best way of doing things, you know, even if, without maybe telling them the specifics so that they really have a good ground to give you the same answer. But, you know, there are just different, different, you know, ways to many different ways to do the same thing in, in accounting. That's, you know, the beauty of the account because there are, you know, 10 different ways how you can account for the same transaction, depending on your needs and the needs of your business and the way you want to, you know, things you want to prepare your books, you know, to so just Tax reporting is one thing, for example, going through audit to sell your companies, you know, totally other story. So a lot of things maybe, you know, may vary, which is why accounting software should be set up in very different ways. And uh, talking about automation, so Cinder automates, you know, connects like 10 different platforms in one ecosystem. Uh, and that's also like a funny thing, but I would say like, I won't say like 90, but I say like at least 60% of people do not use the, all the fields and kind of things in, for example, Shopify or Amazon or any platform they use, you know, the way this field, this field should be used. So they use it the way, you know, it's convenient to their business. And maybe, you know, they, they put like a product names in the description just because it first, you know, in some way can more convenient to them. So when, once we start to, once we start to automate these kind of flows, Really, the, there is a high, you know, um, possibility that we would need to kind of configure so, like certain things in very, very certain way for this certain business. So that's kind of the trick. So you just can't tell, you know, to everyone, do this and do this and you will go to success. It's like really we have to, you know, have someone who will sit with you. And that's actually the way our onboarding with Cinder works. You know, once you sign up and kind of integrate many platforms, you like highly like a transactional business. So there is, you know, a lot of pain Cinder will solve you. So we have people who will kind of, even once you're on a trial, jump on the call with you and really give you a good consultation on whether Cinder can or cannot solve your problem. Once you subscribe, like the first, you know, several days is like, we'll conduct you to set up a call, like a Zoom call one-on-one -on -one with you to kind of go through your setup, go through your needs and see if, you know, what was the best way to automate uh, things and do your stuff. So there's just, I mean, for now, maybe, you know, like in, no. 2050, once the AI will be so, so really developed so that it will be able to kind of take the decisions like, yeah, I know that this, you know, this data goes from that field and not from this as it usually does. And I need to reconfigure it, you know, in a different way. So unless that happens, I cannot see a good way for specifically for our company that works in accounting to do this. I'm sorry for a long answer, but it's really no, something that's put a lot of thought on because I really like automation. I mean, I work in an automation company. We both work with Melissa, so we really like automation. But, well, that's not always possible. So when you say the fields, are you talking about, like, for example, when you do Google Ads, you could measure your success off your click-through rate versus, like, your ROAS? Do you have an example that you can? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for example, uh, for example, so I fill in the order in in Shopify, and I don't have the address of, of my customer. I fill it on my own because you know because of any reason, the customer just came to me or called me and told you know I want to place the order. For now, I don't have the exact address of the customer, and customer told me okay, I'll call you back you know later, and I'll you know give you Is the that rest. Frequent? That's that sounds like an infrequent thing. I saw this kind of case, and we kind okay, of okay, okay. just like a funny description, like 
dress will be specified later. And, you know, the people wind up with this kind of a dress in our system. And they're like, why don't I see, you know, why can't I see, you know, what kind of a what state this, you know, order came from. And yeah. we kind of were, started to investigate and we understood that initially the order was, was filled in partially and then they filled it in, you know, fully. And then the information with the partial order went through and kind of, so that's kind of the way it goes. Maybe it was the, like, address specifically no i wouldn't say that's a very frequent case but you know the way people just indeed so their their name of their product is you know like 30 characters long because it's a like t-shirt blue one with this kind of print of this kind of size so the name gets really long instead of like putting it to the product name people just put it into description just because the field is longer and they Mm -hmm. really want to see the whole thing and kind of you know here we go so center knows that product name should be specified in this field it looks at this field and there's nothing there. So like, sorry, you don't have any product there. But, you know, I, as a person who looks at the order, can say that's, you know, that's the, the product that just is, is in the other field. So, yeah, that, that's kind of a super frequent situation. And we kind of were developing our own like rules, like smart rules engine to let people kind of customize these kind of things and tell center, yeah, we know that product should be there, but in our case, it's there. So please remember. <laughs> Yeah, 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 totally. Or you could have a, a backend R2D2 going through the Death Star, searching an online store for, you know, all these are all the products. So if it's one of these, uh, it'll be having to go in that product name field. Yeah, 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 exactly. And this know. is exactly like a frequent case. Yeah, you know the thing. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's, that's very cool, yeah. Okay, so you guys strike me as, you know, the the leaders in your company. Correct me if I'm wrong. You sound, you sound very like, you know, you know everything about your, your positions. A question that I like to ask is like, as the leaders of your company, how do you see your company differently to the people who are just working there? I think I understand what you're asking. So like what I would say is I think with each team and, and I can speak specifically to the marketing and content team, everybody has kind of, you know, stuff that they are owning. So I wouldn't say that like, I mean, obviously there's people who, who have more leadership roles and then, and not, but I would say everybody kind of owns like their piece of the puzzle in a way. Like, I think that's what makes our team really great is that everybody is working together on, it's not like, somebody's, you know, working on this one piece and they're not technically a leader. So they're just like going through the motions. So I I would say it's very much everybody's kind of in it together. We have a very, you know, startup feel in the sense that like, people are involved in various uh, pieces. I mean, like myself, I'm, you know, head of content, I, I run the, you know, content marketing piece, but I'm also working with the product team to make sure that our in app content is, you know, running smoothly and matching to like terminology that's being used with marketing. So like, a lot, there's a lot of overlap like that. I know Polly's involved with various teams and everybody kind of has this like, you know, all of us are working together to accomplish, you know, the same goal. We have different roles, but everybody, you know, I would say feels, um, you know, responsible and, and ownership of their piece. So it's not like, yeah, if that. I think if that was what your question was. No, that's exactly what I'm getting at. It's a convoluted question, but it really gets into how the company works. I guess just another piece to to what Melissa uh, said is that, again, you know, getting back to our CEO and his like uh, wonderful features, you know, of being like really inclusive, you know, so everyone knows what we're doing. It's like we have this like once a two week meetings where uh, the whole company gathers together. We know there are different time zones and sometimes we have people who are like in 11.30 p.m. they're gathering still because they want to be updated. Uh, but surely we record if someone can attend. But uh, like the the thing is that CEO really uh, like gives an overview of what was done throughout the, you know, two weeks. 
that the company was working, what different departments did, um, you know, how were the results. It's like really like maybe 25 minutes. I guess it never runs longer than 25 minutes, I'd say, just are actually it was really like, sorry, I guess it's right to the point. So, but it really, everyone knows exactly what's going on, you know, who's working on what. And sometimes there are just a questions that the like C-level management thinks about. So our CEO just comes to the spinning and, you know, just shoots the question to the crowd. You know, guys, we're thinking of this kind of issue. What do you guys think? You know, do, do you have any ideas? And then, you know, like developers start, you know, really participating in kind of really business things, you know, thinking how they can sell this or that, or maybe what's the best way to do this. But, uh, and, and, you know, in many cases, there are just, you know, some ideas are really like bright, some are, you know, I wouldn't say dumb, but like, you know, you just, that's the kind of, kind of a funny stuff that make everyone smile. But then, you know, it all kind of creates this kind of feeling that we are all in the same boat. Like as Musa said that, you know, this whole thing, we understand what's going on. We understand the plans and goals for the next two weeks. And this way kind of really everyone, despite of, you know, being really like widespread, I mean, in terms of like, you know, working remotely, despite of different time zones, uh, still that's kind of a thing that really helps everyone, you know, be united. And then, you know, still the manager can really get some ideas from, you know, everyone who works in the company because, well, people are different. They have their hobbies, they have their areas of interest. And sometimes they can see, you know, the problem, you know, in the angle that you would never think possible. So Yeah, that's a really, that's a really lovely, inspiring way to run a company. That's like Ray Dalio's principles to running a good business is like an idea meritocracy. You guys have probably heard of that, like where the developers are just getting involved in business stuff. And it's not like, oh, you that's not your place, bro. Don't, don't come in here with that. It's like, the idea is king. Like, let's get that going. That's very kind of Silicon Valley thinking, like startup thinking where everyone just starts to, you know, wants yeah. to kind of sell the thing and make it like useful to, to the market. Yeah. That's nice. It's good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that's what you said. I'm, I'm sorry. These, these interviews can be a bit like of an autopsy on, on your company and it'd be a bit weird, <laughs> but it's good in your guys case. It's, it's so positive. Okay. So this one's pretty funny because we're a, an e-commerce business podcast, but, what do you guys think about capitalism? It's pitfalls, it's it's pros. And do you have any ideas on how to, you know, if, if you could just like have the keys to the kingdom, what would you try and change? Yeah, it's big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I told you. <laughs> I understand that, you know, giving a certain level of freedom to people, businesses, market, you know, whatever, that's really a good thing because everyone, you know, has an opportunity to do something. But along with this, having like a good, really, really good moral base under, you know, capitalism, it's hard to change even if you have, you know, the keys from the kingdom, you just can, you know, make people think, you know, in the way you know, of helping each other and, you know, not just, you know, blindly competing for, for, I don't know, for whatever, for money, for time, for whatever. But I feel like really what's, uh, what's missing sometimes in, in my, you know, personal opinion is just... The, the attitude when uh, people are kind of uh, want to not just achieve material goals, but also think of something, you know, high level spiritual thinking of how, you know, they this or that will affect other people. So I think that's what's missing. missing. I mean, capitalism is a quite a good model. I mean, we all can see, I guess. So, but but I think what's, what's missing is that part of, you know, really, really common morality and common understanding of every human is you know, the same, we're not different in any way from one another, you know, just our background can be different, but well, that's normal. That's okay. That's even beautiful because that yeah, will make to be cherished. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think that was missing on my point of view. I mean, I I agree with with what Polly said. I do think that it allows people. I mean, anytime you allow people to have an opportunity to you know create something, you know, and especially like you know from the standpoint of e-commerce, just even you know, in my experience, I had an idea, I created a product, I started selling it at like little craft fairs and, you know, in person. And then I started an Etsy store. And from there I grew to Shopify and, you know, all of a sudden it was getting featured places. And it was like, I just was, you know, one person with an idea and, you know, able to, you know, obviously it didn't last forever, but I think that's kind of, you know, you just, you try the ability to have that trial and error and to put something out into the market and be able to, you know, um, just kind of see it grow is, is really great. Um, but yeah, like Polly said, obviously there is that, you know, moral component that we have to keep in mind and people, you know, but, um, I think in its, in its best forms, it works. It's just a matter of, you know, sometimes it does get a bit distorted. I really think that what you're talking about with the moral under, underbelly is distorted by like social infrastructure. Like I, I, I believe that 99% of people are good people. And they're like, given enough exposure to other people, everybody will get on, you know. But I think that like urbanism in the 20th century and creating these cities that like don't, you know, they're not optimized for connection. They're optimized for like factories getting stuff to A to B. I think that maybe in the 21st century, if we optimized for just like social infrastructure, maybe we could uh, have more fun and more laughs and stuff. But I, I also don't know. Yeah, yeah, this is exactly, I mean, this is really like resonates with, with, with my point. I don't know if I like explain it clearly, but that's, that's really what I think too. I mean, that the moral component is just the thing that maybe just because of this kind of separation and also being aimed at, you know, achieving a goal because otherwise you're not, you know, worth anything. You're, you're, you're nothing yeah, yeah. without, you know, some kind of achievements. That's what, you know, puts additional pressure to people that really, you know, stops them, like not stops, but like kind of puts additional veils, you know, before them once they try to be really like nice and open and kind of helping. So yeah, that really resonates with me too. Yeah. That's so true. The neoliberalist myth of like who are you and how much money like I, I just moved to america and like people ask me like so how much do you get paid and i'm like who the hell are you to ask me that like it's it's kind of socialist and it's really kind of cool you. really really <laughs> but it's kind of weird and you're like it's complete strangers you know in like a bar and you're like like it's kind of open it's open-minded but it's it, it's not open-minded because it's kind of framed in this way of like i'm going to judge you and I'm going to value you on that number. And I'm like, that is just so arbitrary, you know? Like if I was a weapons dealer and I earn 150K a year, are you going to like me more? Like I, I'm a farmer and I earn $20 an hour. Like that's better. I think that these things like these free podcasts and uh, the democratization of media will help people to, you know, create new stories that don't necessarily anchor on like success in that materialistic way. Success in not materialistic way, I think that's the key. Yeah, because now we measure success only in materialistic, you know, measure just yeah, how much yeah. you earn. That's and I actually, I think this is another um, kind of uh, way in which the remote uh, work culture can help too, because I think a lot of us, you know, a lot of us ended up remote during the pandemic for the first time. And then now, you know, like here at Cinder, we are a, you know, primarily remote company and people are valuing different things. So it's like, you know, whereas before maybe... You valued, you know, how much am I making at the end of every day? Now it's like, you know, how much free time do I have with my family? Like, 
what, you know, I don't have a commute. So what can I do? What good can I do with those extra couple of hours every day? You know, and those are the things that bring, can bring value and, and, um, you know, you kind of view your life based on things other than what do I own? How much do I make? You know, what's my title? Those are things. And, you know, to your point of like being asked at that question, I mean, I, you know, I, people will ask you that sometimes you're like, Where, what is this? I was just asked at an event the other day, how old are you? And that threw me. Cause I'm like, you don't ask people that, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just, I think just, you know, learning to focus on those things that make us happy. And, and in the end, I mean, you know, obviously everybody is different and has the right to their own opinion, but how, you know, money itself is not, in my opinion, what will make somebody have a good, happy, full life. So. Yeah. Thank you so much for that conversation. That was really lovely. Where can uh, people find you both and where would you like to point uh, listeners of today's episode? Yeah, it's yeah. Cinder, S-Y-N-D-E-R.com. That would be, you can find the blog. There's a free trial available, sign up for a demo, um, just read more about the product. And then um, you can actually yeah, contact either Polly or I, I believe if you go to the company page, we're both on there and you can read a little bit about us and get in touch if, if you'd like, or, you know, any of our amazing support uh, representatives, if you have questions about the product, that is actually something that Cinder, so we are, you know, we have a, a lot of really great ratings and, you know, all the different review platforms. But one of the things that comes up in, in all of them is just how great the support uh, people are. And so that's, that is one of, you know, again, that human approach. Um, anybody mm. that you get in touch with at the company can help you and we'll be happy to do so. That is a really good indicator of a good company. I spoke to like a venture capitalist two weeks ago and he said, this the first thing that that his company does is like they go in and face the customer service people and just have an interaction if it's really nice that's just such a validator yeah i'll put the, the website in the show notes yeah thanks again for coming on the show thank you thanks so much for listening to another episode of debutify podcast if you want to be part of the show just email us podcast at debutify.com or head over to debutify.com to learn more have a great day and good luck with everything